Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers! Welcome once again to the second half of our recording. Once again, we went a little too long while we were playing D&D, and instead of just getting one episode, we got two, which is never a bad thing. It just means I need to give you a little bit of a recap. You won't get any drink recommendations this episode, but you will get some experience at the end. So last time on Dungeon Drunks, faced with the terrifyingly huge, dangerous frost salamander, the heralds of Greenest were ready for a fight, and then Jonathan polymorphed it into an octopus. There was a brief moment where Carlton thought about attacking the octopus, but the crew decided that discretion was the better part of valor, and they retreated back to the ship. After letting the captain know what had happened, they managed to spend the next hour retreating from the iceberg to make sure that they had plenty of room between them and the frost salamander when it finally came out of polymorphed form. Jonathan and Carlton even agreed to stand watch for a few hours, just in case, and it seems as though everything was fine. Jonathan revealed a little bit about his backstory, about why he likes to be called Jonathan the Magimuscular, while Travancore and Bernie spent some quality time down in the galley with the rest of the crew. Finally figuring they were safe, everyone headed to bed to be ready for whatever the day would bring. And now, the next morning is cold and gray and drab and seems a little more choppy. It's not quite the, the same ride. It's not bad, but it's definitely not as comfortable as it's been. And you hadn't even realized how comfortable it had been. But dawn comes, boat's on its way. Uh, is there anything you would like to do this morning? The captain will let you know that unless they encounter anything strange, they should be approaching the archipelago by early this afternoon. Oh, that quick? Yeah. It's oh, been wow. two full days of travel, and she said take two and a half days. And you have not encountered anything that has taken, that has stopped your progress, really. I'm going to try and get the group together and ask about, like, I don't remember what we talked about in terms of what we do when we approach. Are we going to the town first and making our way separately? Or are we going to be dropped away, off away from where we think they are and trying to find a way to stealth it in there? Shouldn't we do town to kind of get a feel for the land? What town are you talking about? Is there a town? I don't know. He just brought up a town. I thought there was yeah. like, I wasn't sure where we're going. Are we going like as close to the to where we think the layer is as possible? I thought we were going to fly. No, not fly. Well, well, so I'll say what you know is that the island that you have chartered the ship to take you to is the island that you think has the cult on it or the, the layer that the cult are in. It's a several mile large island, but it, as far as you know, doesn't have any town, city. The, there, there's actually nothing in the archipelago as far as a, a city or a, a, a civilized place. The closest place would be on the mainland, more towards the Moonshells, where Jonathan is from, but that's another day's trip south. So, I mean, unless you're, you're talking about the, the possible cultist camp as a town, there isn't like a, a shop or anything. So you can either 
somehow get to the island you're looking for, or if you did want to divert to the Moonshays and and go to say one of the the cities there, Jonathan's pretty familiar with all that, but it would take an extra like day, day and a yeah, half. And I'd rather try and go up to the cultists first, which is what I was getting to. Um, I have a idea on how to approach with a little bit of uh, caution, and I'll just I'll sum up my pitch in one word: plesiosaur. Please. Please, please, see a sword? It's like a big sea monster. It's a big sea monster. You want to summon it. one? Yeah, I could summon one off the sh- coast of the ship and then take that. And if we find cloud cover or there's like mist or fog coming into the island, we might be able to ride in that way. And it would throw them off guard to see a giant freaking plesiosaur. And it would probably be able to carry all of us. Wait, I can ride a dinosaur? If that's what they're called, yeah. I mean, I just understood them to be like like, like, mon- like sea monsters. Would I know that they were dinosaurs? Can Bernie roll to- yeah, Bernie would like to roll to see what the hell's going on, yeah. basically. Roll a nature check. Nature. Twelve. That's a four. Okay. Bernie, you recognize the name as the thing that all the people on the deck were calling that uh, group of- You couldn't really get a really good look at them. They Actually, did you see those? Mm-hmm. The ones yeah, attacking you the it. whale? You mentioned the ones it. attacking yeah. the whale? Did I? No, I'm trying to remember if that's when Bernie was below deck with the lockpicks. Or... Maybe she remembers it, but she's like, uh... you, you would remember that's the name of these monsters who were hunting a thing, a, a whale. But you didn't really get a close look at it. Um, so you just kind of know of what happened the other day. Carlton, you have heard of dinosaurs, but most of what you've heard of has been like giant lizards. And you also would have heard, I mean, you also know the same thing Bernie does, is that's what they were calling those those things that were swimming and killing a whale. Uh, I mean, I would be pretty badass riding in one of those. But, okay, um, what? That's one less dinghy we have to bring back. That is one less dinghy. Um, I guess we're sort of going for the element of, like, are we going for, they'll see us on the thingy, the plesiosaur. Yeah. They'll see us on it. So we're we're announcing our presence. Do we want to try to wait for cover of darkness and take a dinghy and Well, I mean you gotta figure someone's gonna be on watch during the night anyway. So yeah. if 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 total stealth is impossible, and who knows, maybe I'll just actually I'm trying to think if I can do uh pass is pass without trace concentration? I don't remember if it is or not, because if it is I can't do it at the same time I I do I think it is. Never mind. I I uh. think <laughs> We already pay for the perspective use of the dinghy. Yes. All right. Well, here about this. We just do dinghy first, and if we're spotted, we plesiosaur at once. So at least we have a giant beast to attack them or something. Or once I'm close enough, I can get something in there to sort of shock and awe a little bit more. I guess, yeah, there is a worry, I guess, that, like, if we get attacked while we're on the water and we give our DM ideas about that, and <laughs> we get attacked while we're on the water, I wouldn't want to have to be down a lot of spell slots. Well, fair. Or whatever the equivalent is when you're in character. Oh man, there's no whale here. <laughs> That's too bad. Because a whale will be easy. That's just, it beaches. And then they see, and then we attack. But then, I'm trying to think what the stealth option is there. Like, they'll see a dinghy sooner or later. Because they have, the way the island seems to be laid out, it's like, or the cave, seems to have a vantage view of everything coming at, coming at it. Did you bring a map with you? I did. I'm going to bring out the map that I, I either borrowed from the library or copied. I'm not sure which one I did. 
Uh, you copied. You, that I copied. You, yeah, you've got uh, a couple maps, actually, between you and Jonathan with all the research that you had done, because you were able to pretty much pinpoint the specific island that you're you're pretty sure you need to go check yeah. out. I, I laid all my maps. I'm a map. I'm a map. I'm a map. I'm a map. That's what happens when you have kids. Kids. Corinne yeah. Archipelago. Yep. Archipelago. Yep. So this is... Archipelago. Uh, so... Travancore unrolls his map that he and Jonathan made some markings on, and you can see uh, the Korean archipelago. And there's the main island of the archipelago, which is fairly large, and then a bunch of smaller islands. Of the smaller islands, there's one that's circled that's pretty far off to the east, so it's not like you have to go deep into this group of islands and it's several miles across it is not a small island which makes sense for the original purpose that you remember seeming to be the lair of a ancient dragon there are a couple of tiny little islands to the south but you assume that the captain is going to bring you in kind of from the northwest so you'd have a a pretty direct access to it and it's kind of up to you what you want to do from the northwest, not the northeast. I'm sorry. From the northeast. You're right. Although she could come in from the northwest, it would just take longer and, you know, it wouldn't really get you anything. Based on the research that we did, do we know anything more specific about the topography of this island? You know, it's mostly rocky. There's not much of the way of vegetation. This one, because it's a little larger, probably has some trees and shrubs and stuff. It's not hilly in a, in a way, so... It's not like mountainous, so you, you're pretty sure you'd get a, a pretty good view. You're you're not exactly sure. There might be like a, a grove or something that could block some of your view of the island, but that's that's pretty much it. It's a pretty pretty small little patch of land. So what we could do is we could either from the dinghy or we could land, and then I could send bucks. I could send bucks around to scout. And see what he can find. Uh, see if there's anything like a cave entrance or maybe even find a patrol and just have him be super quiet and super careful. Yeah, because I don't think our owls island birds. They are not. That's actually a good point. Hang on. Tomorrow. Oh, actually, I can do this as a ritual. Does Jonathan the Magimuscular know about the bird population of the Korean Archipelago. Not of the Korean Archipelago. Now, you know of the bird population in general of the Moonshays. wasn't something necessarily you studied, but the where you lived, which is geographically not that far, would have kind of your general population of inland birds. Nothing exotic. Uh, so if Bucks were a raven, do I feel like he could... If you were another kind of bird other than an owl, would that blend in a bit better? Mm, You think? It would depend on the bird. Certainly there's uh, inland and and seagulls around. So if he was a gull of some sort, that'd probably be the most uh, around here. Uh, A crow probably wouldn't catch too much attention or a raven or something like that. But you think in the islands, especially without much vegetation, if anyone was to think about it it'd be a little odd but it wouldn't be like crazy so jonathan the magic muscular while they're kind of pouring over this island uh, this map 
like Bucks is either on his shoulder or like sitting on the table kind of looking as well. And Jonathan is going to go up to Bucks and say, hey, Bucks, how do you feel about being a seagull for a little bit? A seal? Seagull. Oh, seagull. Thought you said a seal. I'm like, how do we get from seal? Seagulls to... All right. Flying. Flying uh, seal. Flying reconnaissance seagull, a seal. All right. You ask Bucks this and he ponders it for a moment. And the image you get back is uh, one of those dirty pier seagulls, like, down in garbage. It's not that. <laughs> and you get the feeling like, he'll do it. Well, buddy, I just, um, I don't like losing you. And I feel like this is the best way to not lose you. And we'll, we'll t- turn you back into an owl. ASAP. But for now, I think it would probably be safer for you to be a seagull. That way, if you do go scat out, uh, you're much, much less conspicuous. He can see the wisdom in that. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get this over with. Uh, guys, uh, I'm going to go over here for like 10 minutes. And uh, I start the ritual for uh, Find Familiar to change him into a seagull. All right. The rats of the sea. <laughs> Pretty much. Is there anything the rest of you would like to do, or are you going to wait for the seagull to form? I think Bernie's going to sit there and watch it. She's going to be like... All right, well, Jonathan, that means you got to describe what what are 10 minutes of ritualized turning your owl into a seagull. Let's give, give us the highlights. So I feel like Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to... Actually, let me look at something real quick. Well, actually, while you're doing that, while you get a, a, sense, a chance to think about that, Carlton... Roll a perception check. I would love to do that. Uh, that's a uh, soft 20. Excellent. Nice. What? You feel the boat as as your companions are having this intense discussion about topography and types of birds and sneaking up. And you've been you know just kind of thinking about, ah, it would have been really nice to be able to whack that giant salamander. And so you're, you're not paying as much attention. So you notice the boat turn. Not a lot, not like hard, but like it, it definitely starts to move a little bit more towards the north. I look at the captain and is she doing this? Uh, you guys are down in your uh, cabin right now. Okay. Hey, I think, I think we're, I think, I think we're turning. Something feels weird. Jonathan is actually getting out his like incense and his little mini brazier. And then he's like, as, as you're saying this, he's like, I should probably go up on deck if i'm gonna burn stuff wait what yeah i'm gonna go up top to see if the if the captain's turning it or if it's bad we anchored? yeah no you were moving you got up this morning oh, okay and yeah, yeah. Yes. Carl, oh, oh yeah. I, it's a more okay i thought i okay i'm with and as I'm far here. as i know we were just going straight yeah. but now we're go, we're turning so yeah. i want to see what that means there's something up there that we got to turn to avoid i'll go with them you guys keep seagulling i guess well i'm gonna go since I have Seagull to burn stuff for the for the ritual, I'm gonna go up top so I'm not burning stuff in here. Oh, you could do it in the crow's nest that way because you're, you're summoning another bird. I'll say, Jonathan, you do know that because of the way that the magic works, it's not like this place is gonna fill up with smoke. So if you did want to do it in the cabin, it's it's magic smoke that's gonna dissipate. So you have an option. I'll do it up up top that way. Bucks's first flight as a seagull. It's in the sea air. All right, y'all gonna go up top. Ah, uh, yeah, Bernie's following. Bernie was very interested. She's very interested in how other spellcasters use magic. Sure. 
All right. Because this is not how she achieves things, so. Nope, you just pray super hard. All right, you all head on upstairs, and you find that, you know, it's been a, a couple hours of kind of this gray, drab day. And yeah, the boat's taken a, a little bit of a turn towards the north. You're not going straight uh, west anymore. And as you come upstairs, the, the captain waves you on over and says, ah, we're getting close, and holds out the spyglass for somebody to look through. I'll look. All right, Travancore, you pull out the spyglass, you follow her pointed finger. Uh, before you put the spyglass up, you can't even really see anything. But when you put the spyglass to your eye, you do notice on the far western horizon land. And when he's looking through, I kind of slowly creep up from the, the thing end. So he's just like looking at my eyeball after a moment. So he's like looking at land, and all of a sudden, Carlton just creeps into the bottom of the frame. You also notice that Carlton has a slight stigmatism in his right eye. <laughs> buddy you should get that checked out a what yeah your astigmatism you might be a little nearsighted actually no not nearsighted astigmatism means you are one of your eyes is football not the tribal court would know he might think it's that means nearsighted i want to keep it up i want to keep it as nearsightedness carlton looks very concerned about a stick in his eye yeah yeah <laughs> he might want to get that checked out do you do, do you have eye doctors here in favorite yeah there's think glasses are a thing they're not amazing but they're a thing Buddy, you might want to go see an eye doctor when we get we get back from this adventure. But we have a doctor, and she has eyes. Yeah. Bernie, my eyes are bad. I got a stick in my eye. Uh, you have a stick in your eye? Yeah, an eye stick in my eye. Hey, this one's not my fault this time, all right? I don't feel it, but apparently he's, it's really, really tiny because, uh, I mean, Travancore saw it. Travancore, don't lie to Carlton. That's mean. I, I wouldn't lie. He... He decided to poke on the other end of that, that, that spyglass, and I was able to see the irregular shape of his eye very clearly. Oh, Carlton, um, my magic doesn't change the way you were made. That's not, I can't, I can't reshape your eyeballs, baby. They're fine how they are. What she's saying is, you do you, boo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you haven't had trouble, in, you haven't had trouble seeing anything so far, so, I mean, what do I know? Yeah. It's fine. You're, Carlton, don't worry. There's no sticks in your eye. It's just your eyeball shaped weird, and sometimes that's okay. Jonathan, are you going to start setting up your, your stuff to do this? Yeah, Jonathan the Man Muscular is going to get out his little mini brazier. He's going to put out the little incense into it. He's going to flick his thumb, and a little tiny flame is going to come out, to, so he lights everything. And then uh, he puts it away. Uh, he starts kind of like drawing runes into the uh, into the ash that disappears and then he redraws another one that disappears and then he takes a little pinch of the root of the of the ashes and just kind of like like just very gently like boops bucks his head with it and he just kind of fusses and uh, near the end of the ritual he takes bucks into his hands and closes them around him and uh kind of like undulates and and moves his hands about as he speaks arcane words and then as he does he opens his hand and a seagull emerges and immediately poops on my hand <laughs> and you're not really that surprised because it's a clean seagull it's a nice looking seagull it's not like the dirty inland gulls you're used to but bucks immediately is just like <sighs> i know buddy i know here uh, go for go for a test run and as he goes up i press the digitate away the poop just buck starts to soar up into the air do you send him anywhere in specific or is he taking some circles just some circles just a test flight okay try out new wings 
Carlton, as you move away from where Travancore is trying to look, um, you can now, as as the boat continues to sail in that direction, you can just barely see where Travancore is looking, uh, bits of land, some just barely on the horizon. And Travancore, now that you don't have Carlton's eyeball in your way, you can see a couple different specks of that land uh, forming into islands. There's several of them which are tiny. They're maybe you know, several feet, basically rocks, large rocks that have come out of the ocean. But you do think you see the specific island you're looking for. And the captain, as you pull the spyglass away, points and says, well, there's there's your thing. There's your crazy thing. We're going to try to head around the little guys and head up towards the big one that you want to go to. And you can tell me how you want to take it from here. Travancore wants to know whether approaching how close he would get to the island before he thinks someone on the island could see the boat. Well, technically, if someone on the island has a spyglass, they can see it right now. So, kind of, I mean, if you can see them, they can see you. Well, I mean, we don't look like we're heading that way, necessarily. We're out in the ocean. People go to other islands and stuff. There's that big island behind it. So, I don't think we're cooked just yet. We're making assumptions about their ability to scout us. Right. So, maybe... About how far is the island? How about how far are we out? Um, you think with the wind, obviously you're not heading straight towards it anymore. She's taken a a northwesterly course to run up closer to it, but alongside of it, you think you're probably about forty five minutes, thirty minutes, maybe at most away. It's just fortunately because it's been a calm sea, you can view quite a ways with the spyglass. But yeah, you think you're only going to be getting closer. Uh, Travancore, you want to go ahead and uh, make your plesiosaur now, Wait. and then we can land on the island, uh, hunker down while um, Buck scouts around. I didn't think we were making the the plesis, the please. Yeah, I figured the plan was we were going to wait for Buck's uh, scouting report. Uh, I didn't want to send him. I was going to wait until we were on land uh, to send him scouting. Uh, th- I, uh, yeah, but, I yeah, also but that's, thought we. You were... know, that's actually a good idea. I wanted to wait on land so if he can't so his like patterns could come back to us and he could kind of report. The thing about sending him out now is that he could make it out there and then scout, but if he doesn't find anything that he's his eyes aren't going to be as good as a seagull. He's this is this is for the seagull is to help him blend in. So I figure if we if we gave gave him tighter search patterns while we were on the island, then there was a kind of a bigger margin of error. Yeah, but like, are we? Why do we need the plesiosaur for that? Oh, I didn't know. I just thought. I mean, yeah, plesiosaurs are cool. Well, what we could do is we could head out on the dinghy, and then I could cast Pass Without Trace on the dinghy, <laughs> and then hope we're not seen. I mean, I don't know how well it's going to work when we're on open sea, depending on whether it's a spyglass or not. But it might. It can only help us. One would think, and then. And then once you're close enough, we can send uh, Gullbucks over there. Well, and that's that's a good idea because then they don't see the mass, giant mass of the ship heading that way. Yeah, we'd be harder to see in a dinghy, one would think. Dinghy. Do we do we think we could? Do we think rowing another forty five minutes of sailing uh, that would take sailing would be hard? Yeah, Jonathan, you don't think you'd want to take the dinghy right now? The the dinghy is really for getting you from. From boat from ship to shore. Yeah, and more okay. than a mile. Ugh. Okay.
We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's an official free-to-play Dungeons & Dragons-based clicker game available on Steam, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for this podcast. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from Companions of the Hall, Dice Camera Action, C-Team, Force Grey, and even more. It's always exciting to open chests to see what new gear my champions have. And speaking of chests, thanks to the fine folks who made Idle Champions, we're fortunate enough to be able to offer a free gold chest for the Steam version of the game to all of our listeners. Now, this code expires on February 17th, 2019 at 8 p.m. Pacific, so you only have a week to redeem once this episode is posted. Open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. C-O-M-S-M-A-S-T-S-E-I-F-O-R-C-A. So use that code, and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. While they're having this conversation, I'll be like, hold up, guys. You continue talking. I'll be right back. I'm going to walk over to the captain. All right. She's okay. not that far away, but yep, she's there. Hey, captain, how often do boats pass by these routes? Uh, this north? Not as often. Most of the stuff goes south from here to go on over to the moonshake. So it's not common to see a boat of this size? Not this close to shore. Not really. Okay, that's all I wanted to make sure. And then I walk back over. Yeah, this boat's not common. Okay, well... Boats usually go south. The other thing about the plesiosaur is it might be stealth in of itself because we'd be very hard to see on its back, one would think. I mean, like in the D&D world, how big is a plesiosaur? It's big enough for all four of us to be able to ride on its back or and plus shadow? Uh, it is a large beast. Plus my dog. Yeah, so there's oh. that too. Oh yeah, that'd be a lot. That's That's pushing it. It'd be tight. And I'm going to say, Travancore, you know, because you can summon this thing, it's a rounded back aquatic creature. It's uh, it's going to be tight. Well, the other option is to take a dinghy, tie it to the plesiosaur. Some of us are on its back, some of us are on the dinghy. That way, at least, it'd be hard to see the dinghy. The benefit of the plesiosaur is it kind of blends in. Like, it's an na- animal that's ostensibly native to these waters. It also would travel a lot faster than a dinghy, and it would it would negate the need to row a dinghy, which would extend the dinghy's range by a little bit, at least. Uh, like, half the reason that you really don't want to go more than a mile is it's essentially a glorified rowboat. <laughs> and even the even Carlton's going to get exhausted with all of so you the So the plesiosaur tows the dinghy. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's the way to go. Plesiotow. Plesiotow. Please a toe. All right. Please a toe. I have Please ten toes. Please a toe my dinghy. The captain's okay. kind of half overhearing this conversation and says, well, so however you want to get out there, I agreed to hang out for a couple of days and then either I, I take off or you let me know if you need me to stay around for longer. You you paid for the dinghy. Uh, I need to know where you want me to stop getting closer to this island and you can do your thing. Probably this is a good place to stop. Yeah. yeah, if there's an island you can kind of like uh like hide behind yeah. from from that island. If we need to come back, yeah, I'll 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 send you a message in your head. It, like especially if we get to the island and there's nothing there. And you should be honored, he only does it to people he likes. <laughs> I do well, yeah. Name one person you've mess you've sent to that you don't like. Well there well hold on. Hold on. There was one person 
Oh, I, that wasn't my spell. That was a stone. And, and the ca- the captain looks at you and says, "Oh, who was that?" Old acquaintance of ours. Hey, yeah, we call him Santi. Do we call him that? It's like Monty. <laughs> is that something we call him? I, I guess you call him that now. Bernie does in <gasps> her. Bernie does in her brain. So the captain says, "All right. Well, the good news is that I, I, I can. We can stop here. We can go further north. Whatever you want. Bad news is there's nothing on the side that's gonna hide us. I mean, you, you, she points back to you, Travancore, uh, and says, "You saw what those islands look like. They're glorified rocks. There ain't nothing to hide behind." Yeah. 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 As long as you're not heading right in the direction, you're just kind of in the waters. It might." behoove you just to, as long as you keep moving, like, it might make them suspicious a little bit, but I think if you're stationary, it could be an issue. Alright, well, I can stop here, or we can, I mean, this is still, you're like 30 minutes away, even even going by ship, so it's up to you whether you want me to get closer or not. I, I don't think it's a good idea to get closer, given what's what's on that island, so... And we have a, we have a siltaposaur? Uh... <laughs> you, you have a, a what? Plesiosaur, said 23. <laughs> Let's uh let's go ahead and start putting together our ropes uh for for dinghy tying like now before you ca- summon it that way we get the dinghy in the water we have our our harness ready then you summon it and then we have more time for actual plesiosauring. Okay, my idea is to do the thing that Jonathan said. All right. The captain brings the ship to a, a slow halt, lowers the anchor. They let you all pile into the dinghy. It's it's once again a tight fit, especially since I'm assuming this time you're bringing Coco Snoot along? Yes. Okay. So the the four of you plus your various animal companions take up. It's You're squeezed in there, but you all fit in the dinghy. Lower you into the water. The captain looks over the, the edge and says, I'll, I'll give you a... Uh, Three, two and a half days. Rest of today and the next two days. We'll we'll go we'll go circle. We'll go south. We'll go see what's going on towards the moonshade where we're not going to be noticed very much, and we could get back here pretty quick. Thank you, Captain. And if I don't, I'll message you either way if I'm able. If I don't message you, eh, probably assume the worst. But if I don't get to actually say it uh, to you, thank you so much. It yeah. was an honor to ride on the ship. Thank, thank you for letting you. me fly the boat. Ah, right. uh, thanks for feeding us. Hey, part of what you paid for, but hey, keep yourself safe. Don't die just yet, all right? I'd like to take you back and at least hear the stories. I would prefer that as well. Either way, yeah, we'll, there'll be a story from hopefully one of us, or all of us. All of us. All right, you are lowered into the water. The ocean is a little more rocky than it has been the last couple of days, so it's it's a bit more, especially now that you're in the dinghy, it's a bit more up and down. How far away from the boat would you like to be to summon your Pleosaurus? All right, first let's, uh, can we make a dinghy check for uh, for our rope, our dinghy harness check? Structural integrity of the dinghy itself. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, you can see the, the, the dinghy's fine. It's not right, built right. for speed, but it can can like it's not going to capsize unless you do something crazy, and uh, it seems to be able to hold you all. So what you're you're making uh you're trying to double check your harness. Yeah. Roll a survival check D- at disadvantage because you don't actually have the pleosaurus to check it on though. All right, survival, 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 survival. Surviving a null. Oh wow! I don't sixteen. Mm. All right. Nice. Seems pretty secure. All right. Travancore! And, and he's doing this, like, from one end of the dinghy to the other. Travancore! 
Deploy the plesiosaur. Okay. Travancore. Jonathan's like 15 feet away. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, I, uh, I cast uh, Conjure Animals, and I summon one plesiosaur, who I am naming Nessie, for obvious reasons. I'm not feeling very creative today. I think that's a good name for a plesiosaur. All right. Where are you? It's plesiosaur. Where uh, are you placing the plesi? Where are you placing uh, Nessie? It's going to be about 10 feet away from the dinghy. Okay. You see the shimmering magic of Travancore appear on the surface of the water, and then there is this push as this large carnivorous dinosaur appears. A huge fins, gaping mouth, all in various shades of molted blues. Uh, it, displaces, it displaces the water a little bit as it you've summoned it, and then it kind of sinks into the water, and then it rises its head back up, and it kind of gives you this cocked head curious look yep thou has a pleosaur how long does this spell last i want to name him mercy it is i believe one hour let me double check here yeah uh jonathan the metamuscular is gonna attempt to secure the the rope yeah okay. one hour hopefully that's enough time to get to <laughs> it should be enough time to get to the shore right one would think uh, hope so mostly okay good enough at least get us close enough so that if i have to start rowing i won't be yeah. exhausted yeah I will say because this is a friendly animal that is taking that is taking Travancore's direction that Jonathan, you have no no issues putting this rope harness on this thing. And Travancore, you're gonna tell it pull you to shore? Yep, that's that's the uh the instruction. Please ya row your boat soar. Hallelujah. This thing takes off at a fairly impressive swim speed, even with hauling the bunch of you. And very, very slowly, you head closer and closer to this island. I need you all to roll a survival check. Oh, my. I'm good at that. I just did a good one of these, but at at least this... All my rolls tonight have been not great. (laughs) Like, I think the best roll was the 14, so... Oh, oh! I accidentally hit roll twice, but the first one... Well, you do have to do for, for Coco Snoot, so that makes sense. Okay, well, the second dear. one's for Coco Snoot. <laughs> All right, so Bernie and Coco Snoot. Bernie got a 22. And Coco Snoot? 13. And Travancore and Shadow? Travancore got an 11, while Shadow got an 8. Okay, and Jonathan and... Well, is Bucks in the dinghy, or is Bucks flying overhead? Buck, Bucks is flying. He'll land to rest, but... All right. Uh, Jonathan the Muscular gets a 14. And Carlton. Uh, the dog is better at surviving than Carlton, because Carlton got an 11. Well, dogs are are cute. Dogs have evolved to be cute and beg from the table. So I would say they have good survival skills. Okay. So Carlton, Travancore, and Shadow, by the time you're close enough, by about 20-25 minutes, you're starting to get close enough to this island that you can all make out details the spray from traveling at the speed over the ocean has crusted your beards with ice and has filled Shadow's mange with little flecks of frozen seawater. And while everybody else is kind of also getting sprayed with with water and just the sea the sea spray, the three of you are having a hard time dealing with this and it's it's getting pretty uncomfortable and yeah you 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 have a feeling that you might have disadvantage on a bunch of things right Ooh. now like some checks because you're cold yeah, just, just gonna, cold just gonna concentrate on keeping this uh plesius or nessie on our side all right no we named him mercy mercy 
Like, oh. thank you, because he's I a pleasing I thought Nessie. Okay, Mercy is his last name. I think Nessie will be her Christian name. Okay. Nessie, Mercy. Nessie, oh, Mercy. The good news is it doesn't take much to keep up the concentration. Jonathan, go ahead and roll a perception check for Bucks, and let me know how how high is he flying overhead? What's what are kind of his orders as you get close enough to the island that he could conceivably fly on ahead? So, uh, if he flies on ahead, he is going to he's going to maintain about uh, oh how high do seagulls fly? They they Probably can go pretty 40, 40, 50 feet off the off the surface of the water. Okay. And then if he decides to go on ahead and start scouting, I just say, hey, be careful. Come back when uh, with something interesting. I'm going to go ahead and also look through your eyes. I'm like, hey, guys, I don't do this very often, but I'm actually going to be looking through uh, Bucks's eyes. So if you need me, just let me know. And I can kind of snap back if I need to help, like, row and stuff. But otherwise, uh, I'm just going to, like, kind of brace myself in the boat and then my eyes go white and I can see see through Bucks's eyes. Oh actually I, I do can't do I can only do that to up to hundred feet, right? Uh double check. Yeah. You haven't me, done this me... in a long time, so I don't remember. I don't remember what it's is. Yeah, I think it's hundred feet. hundred feet is I know you're in constant communication with him. You might still be able to watch through his eyes further, but that's that's why we will check the spell. That's what D and D Beyond is for. That's why we like D and D. D and D Beyond. Hashtag ad. No, it's only an ad if we're getting paid (laughs) for it. Hashtag sponsored content. Uh, okay, yeah, it's only it's only within a hundred feet. So he's gonna have to if he does want to fly out, he's gonna have to report back if he finds anything. You send him off. Uh, Go ahead and roll a perception check for bucks. Okay, he since I assume that he. That a seagull is not going to have the super eyes, the keen, the keen hearing and sight. He's not the keen hearing, but I'll say uh, let's give him the same bonus as what Bucks has. He's not going to have advantage, but seagulls still have pretty good eyesight because they have to see long distances. So I'll, let's use. And the, they also have to find food. Yeah, let's right. give him the same bonus. He just doesn't have the same advantage. Seven. Okay. Bucks wings over you, and uh, Jonathan, you know that he's being a little bit mocking, but he actually calls out for a second in that seagull. Ah! 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 <laughs> oh, I, I was leaving work, and there are seagulls that migrate up to Oklahoma City, so they hang out by the river. And I heard one going, ah, ah, and I thought it was a person. <laughs> like, is, is someone being funny? Because, like, like right by our building is where like the uh, the river is, and there's a little like fenced entrance that you can go in and like hang out or go down one of the river trails. And so I thought someone was in that area just being funny, but no, it was a couple of seagulls fucking about. Yeah, they do that. Ah, mine, <laughs> mine, 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 mine. Are we allowed to say that before Pixar sues us? Yours, 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 yours. All right. Bucks wings out over the the ocean, grabbing what air that he can and sails as close as he dares to the island. He doesn't actually go over the island, but he kind of skirts to one side. He stays on the shoreline, which would be what a gull would do, and eventually makes his way back seemingly without issue. And Jonathan, when he gets back into range, he relays the following. He takes a look over... He can pretty much see the entire island, especially from that height. This is not a giant island. It seems to be shaped a little bit in a vague triangle. You're heading towards one of its points. And 
from what he can see, it's mostly rocks, a little bit of uh, gravel leading up out of the ocean to rocky shore and uneven big boulders, like basically a, a, a giant rock pile out of this ocean to something a little more resembling land. There's some patchy bits of grass. So the easternmost side of the island is mostly this rocky shore for a good mile or so. And then as it slowly morphs into some soil, a couple of shrubs, there's a a few trees, not much, not much that he can barely see the other side of the island. It's not a clear view from where he is, um, but he can kind of see most of the trees are on this bluff that has raised up out of the rocks just enough to have some soil and be able to accommodate what look like some really scraggly pine trees. Nothing impressive. And he kind of gets a really good look all around the island. Doesn't see anybody or anything. All right. If uh, Bucks reports back, if he flies back. He does. I'm going to kind of kind of download all that, get his report. And... Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to be like, uh, he didn't see anything, uh, but... Nothing? Nothing. No people, no patrols. They could be obscured by magic, so it's worth landing just to confirm. That's true. So so we'll we'll land, and then we'll we'll give it the old, uh, you know, mark one yeah. eyeball, whatever that means. All right. You take the Pleosauron in? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is Captain Jack's uh, boat here. Yeah, this is... He's running the motor. All right, Daddy's uh, just trying to keep her dog from barfing. Travancore, tell me how you, you land on the island with your Pleosaur. Tell me what it does to get you there. Describe it for me. So once we're within, I would say, a knot... No, not, I shouldn't use nautical measurements when I don't know anything I'm talking about. Um, Once we're within about, let's say, 30, 25 feet... Yeah, isn't it not like six miles? Yeah, so that's why I didn't say not. Uh, let's measure it this way. As a kid who didn't grow up sailing but knows one thing, breakers is what you're thinking about. Yeah, Think yeah. about the breakers and how we're navigating those. Yeah. Wait, a knot is a mile uh, is a unit of speed, not distance. Well, that's why I, I said not to use knots. So anyway. What, what, are you, are we, how many parsecs out are we? Three chevrons. So so even if Travancore is not like a sea guy, like the plesiosaur definitely is. And the plesiosaur's behavior would change as it gets closer to the shore. So Travancore would imagine like there are certain tells when it gets closer based on his own sense of how close he is to the island. At that point, I think what Travancore will do is he'll disengage the uh, the rope that's connecting the plesiosaur there so we can just row the rest of the way. And the plesiosaur will probably dive just a little bit, just lower, just so it's not entirely in view but ready to come back just in case it needs to. All right. So we'll rest row the rest of the way. I mean, that's what, 20 or 30 feet, I guess. That's easy-ish. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably say like 40 at most. And the the breakers along this island, because it is not that large of an island, are, are pretty easy to get around. It's not like some devious coral reef you have to worry about. It's, it's basically just some rocks and then some more rocks. And yeah, the pleosaur... Um, so you got here, it probably took about like 30 minutes or so. So, uh, as you beach your dinghy and make land, what do you, do you want to just dismiss the police or are you going to have him hang out? I think I'm okay dismissing it, right guys? Yeah, I mean, we're here. This All right. is what we're here for. I don't think we're... Right. I, I thank Nessie courteously for her... And we have our emergency bird to escape fast if yeah. we have to. I thank Nessie courteously for her service and dismiss her. 
sad that I wasn't able to associate an actor with that performance. But maybe I did because it was a non it was a non vocal performance. It was all nonverbal communication. So that's actually twice as challenging an acting job. So bravo. Uh, Nessie, you could swear gives you a little bit of a nod before the head back into the water and then disappears under the waves. Yeah, we've established those who are new to the show that uh, that the fey spirits that take the form of animals that I summon are part of an acting troupe. Yep, this was the easiest acting job ever. It was just pulling a thing. <gasps> Maybe Nessie's the mime! <laughs> well, you'll have to ask the next time that you summon a pleosaur, uh, which might not be for a while because you're standing here on this rocky shore looking out over this island, the gray skies above you, uh, the bitter wind blowing, and as you're deciding how to go about searching this island for what you're looking for, we'll stop there. And I will offer unto you some experience. So, uh, before polymorphing the the monster, that was amazing. By the way, that was that was a quick exit. That was great for, I'll say, just for the decisions you made afterwards, because you were faced with several choices of what to do next, and I thought all of them were interesting. For Bernie, for using her hot sauce to make friends among the boat, uh, for Travancore, having the courage to show off his art <laughs> to a potential critic, and finding out that it was actually really good. For Carlton and his fun with a harpoon, and sadly not being able to fire it. Harpoon! Harpoon! <laughs> and Jonathan showing off a little bit of his history. I'm going to give you a total of 5,400 experience to split between the four of you. And the next time we get together, you're on the rocky shores of some distant island with a cult, possibly nearby. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons and extend a special thanks to our artifact and wondrous tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Linnea Boyev, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.